You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Hey there, Joe Clark. Here we are at the pretty much at the end of school term two, and it is yes. great to be chatting. <laughs> What's been happening, brother? Well, I've been enjoying a podcast uh, called The Evaporated, Gone with the Gods. The Evaporated, is, Gone yes, with the Gods. Uh, which is about um, people who disappear in Japan. I'm, I'm naturally interested naturally interested in things in Japan, um, as I've shared on the podcast now and again, and uh, this came along my way. Uh, and it's a podcast by Jake Adelstein and Shoko Plambeck. And uh, it's, did you know, like something like 80 thousand people just disappear in japan each each year they they just yeah they just uh disappear during the night they um are uncontactable um and uh they they have called the disappeared or evaporated they're just gone and um jake adelstein was a reporter in japan um and this happened to his accountant like his accountant just suddenly did not answer calls couldn't be found and so uh, this is a phenomenon they're, they're investigating it in Japan, and it's it's just been really interesting. Uh, the this is not people being um, kidnapped or killed a lot of the time. It's it's people who just are in terrible situations, and they need to escape, like uh, debt, uh, enormous debt, or a debt to the the criminal underworld, the yakuza, or uh, really uh, um, dangerous or abusive marriages. Um, and this is the strategy: um, you, you you disappear, you employ night. People who can come and move all your stuff in the night, set up a new identity. Um, so there's a whole industry around it. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, photo ID is less common in Japan, and there's there's other sort of things there. And so, um, uh, it's just been really interesting, you know, hearing about how how his accountant disappeared. And um, I think uh, I think help just helpful to see the, the the some of the wider aspects of the culture in Japan. You know, when you think Japan, sometimes you think. Uh, geishas and Mount Fuji and mm. and bullet trains and cherry blossoms and uh, cherry yeah. blossoms and mango and uh but to, yeah just to appreciate this the the deeper or darker side of the culture um yeah and we our church has a few uh uh missionary friends um in um in Japan Dean and Rachel and so um yeah as I as I listen I often think of them and and pray for them and their ministry uh in that country so yeah that's that's me wow <laughs> An interesting it's, podcast. It's interesting when you encounter a podcast that really takes you out of your world and helps you engage with another. Mm. There's something about that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's the thing the podcast world does well. Um, mm. It can take you to the sounds of that location and and the voices and uh, and can uh, yeah put together stories. So um, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Um, recommend. Well, how about I you? Have, I have something genuinely exciting to talk about. Oh, all right. Uh, this doesn't happen heaps often. So everything I'm you pretty... say is genuinely exciting. I'll stop it. I'll stop it. I'll blush. Um, okay. So basically, good friends, Katie and Dave, um, we three went down to the Sydney Opera House from Newcastle for oh, a, a night visit. Yeah. And we went and saw the Sydney Symphony Orchestra playing Hans Zimmer music. Now, for anyone who's been listening for a while, and as we have discussed before, I actually went and saw Hans Zimmer music before. I think yes. I talked about it in the podcast. And I, I went with Katie and Dave. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so when we saw this was happening at the Opera House, we were like, let's go. And so we had these amazing seats that were on the side, but they were in the front row. 
Um, so you could see everything. You were just looking oh, down on everything except for the harpist who was really basically directly below us okay. and, the, or, and the organist who had this one big role during one song and I don't know if he played it the rest of the time. So I was feeling no regret actually. Yeah. Um, and some of the music I, I had to literally, I could my eyes couldn't stay still because there's all the strings section. There were these fascinating little instruments like a little piccolo. Yeah. She had two different piccolos. She was switching between who knows why she chose one or the other. There was a guy who had an, a bassoon and then a big bassoon. It was a huge, huge bassoon. I've never seen anything so, like it. Another guy who had a horn, and this was a big man, and it was bigger than him. Uh, it was a big, big horn. <laughs> these are probably worth tens of thousands of dollars, some of these. Yes, and you can you can Google these people and you can find out who's loaned the instrument that they're playing. <laughs> you know, the violin is from the 17th symphony, century and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And they wouldn't own it themselves because it's just ridiculously expensive. Yes. Anyway, my favorite was, of course, the Gladiator Suite. That's one of my favorite from Hans Zimmer. It is. But yeah. um, the best moment was there was this moment where a cacophonous amount of percussion was happening. And you know when the, the people up the back in a Sydney symphony orchestra get the cymbals and then crash them together and then hold them out and are like, look what I've done. And it looks like they're kind of like double fisting in the air. Yes. That happened multiple times, <laughs> and I was just sitting there wanting to like, bravo, because <laughs> it was just so fun, and there was lighting. Anyway, I was thankful for just the crazy amount of beautiful music that happened that night, and mm. yeah, mm. very good music. If you oh, haven't, that's heard. so good. So, what's going on in your in, on in your mind as you uh, or in your heart as you are listening to music and watching live music? Well, sometimes I had my eyes shut, but very rarely. Like if it's really good music at home, and I haven't got anything to watch. I'll shut my eyes because I just love the feeling of hearing something really beautiful. Mm. Um, with, when I was watching the cellos, I was looking for skillfulness because I played the cello a bit. Um, but mostly I'm marveling at the beauty, I think, of, mm. of the music that was created the, and the, the way, the, the, the skillfulness at which it's being played. And so I, my eyes were constantly bouncing and I, I just – yeah, I actually marvel at the composition of music. I think there's something amazing going on there oh, to yeah. come up with something brand new, a new tune. Oh, wow. There is so much to be amazed at, the skills yeah. of musicians and the yeah. conductor being able to look at a score so, with, with so Rose. But that time, Rose. we had a great time. What's going on? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh great. So so fantastic. Both of us, you know, seeing live music. Oh. <laughs> So good. Um, yeah, yeah. you with that, the EDM and me that, with the Sydney Symphony. <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably. Uh, Slightly think, different. Yeah, they're both good. Let's just say they're both good. Yeah, um, that's right. So, no, that's excellent. And now what about uh, Bible time stuff? What have you been yes. reading the Bible, Joe? Well, I just had this really interesting moment in Exodus today. So I'm reading Exodus 14 and you would know Exodus 14 is... Um, the Lord says to Moses, tell the Israelites, you know, here we go. We're going to go. Um, you're going to look like you are lost and I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart and they're going to pursue you. Um, and then the Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord. This is what he finishes his message to Moses that he's meant, Moses is meant to pass on to the Israelites. So that happens. The king of Egypt, Egypt um, pursues the people that have fled after he realized that he's lost their services uh, the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart, so he pursues them, and um, there's the pursuit. And 
The thing that I found really interesting was the repeated idea. Um, so it's in verse 4. Um, then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And then later as well. I just can't see it. I had it there as well. Oh, yeah. Verse 18. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And I thought, okay, this is early in the Old Testament. And God is saying he's interested in the Egyptians knowing that he is the Lord. Um, and it just got me thinking about the what happened there. And so I didn't spend much time in the Old Testament, but I did look, I just went to Bible Gateway and typed in Egypt and looked at all the references in the New Testament. And there's oh, yeah. this really interesting reference in Acts 2 where the, there's the giving of the Holy Spirit and they're all speaking yeah. um, in their own language but understanding one another. And people from Egypt are listed in the list of people from different places. Right. Um, and so they're converts who are believers in Jesus. They're given the Spirit. And then I thought, oh, I wonder where it's up to now. And so I Googled Operation World, which is this resource which tells you sort of the state of Christianity from their perspective yeah. in different countries. You can look at different country profiles. And so I looked up Egypt and it mentions that for over a thousand years, Egypt was a majority Christian country, but then um, the Muslim religion has definitely come and become majority religion. But there's still, um, I think it was about 10, uh, 12% um, Christians in yeah. Egypt. It just made me think about the, such a long time ago, the Lord wanted a people group that were not his chosen people to know that he was the Lord. And what that might have looked like, that his glory, his might, his power, but also that he chose to have mercy on, he's chosen to have mercy on Egyptians throughout generations. So immediately mm. after Jesus ascended and yeah. then now today. And yeah. I can think of someone I was at college with who I think was an Egyptian by heritage and was a Christian. And so yeah. anyway, I just felt thankful for that and thankful for thinking about the Egyptians becoming Christians. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Christian uh, man in our church as well that I know from Egypt. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Uh, and um, yeah, e Egypt, it's a fascinating theme. Uh, I've been reading a little bit in Jeremiah and there's mm. um, notes of judgment, but also hope there for mm. Egypt. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, in Exodus 14, obviously it's um, yeah, it's knowledge, but um, yeah, the vibe's a bit more of judgment as they, That's as they right. end up in. Yeah. And they will see in the Pharaoh's, yeah, Pharaoh being defeated and they'll see God answering the hardening of the heart again. Mm. Anyway, so I enjoyed that. I was amidst reading a bit of Exodus to think about the Lord revealing himself to a people that are not his people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, um, I, yeah, Exodus, just such a lively narrative going through there and yeah. the knowledge of the Lord going through. So, yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. Mm. What about you? What have you been reading, Richard? Well, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about reading Thomas Manton, the Puritan, yeah. um, and I think I might have said that I need to go back and read it again, and I, I've, I've done that. I've gone and read his section again, and I've tried to sort of do his indentations. So I don't know if I mentioned, but he has lots of firstlies, secondlies, <laughs> um, and you don't know if this is how far indented these firstlies and secondlies are. And the, some of the formatting's gone funny on my Kindle. So I've, I've gone back trying to make sense of it all. Right. Um, but just, yeah, that's been a very fruitful time. I think a couple of things, I, things I've noticed is that he backs up every point with a Bible passage or two. Cool. And 
Um, that's not always the case in Christian writing. <laughs> yeah, you read things. Um, but it's, yeah, particular style where everything he says is supports by the Bible passage and just incredibly detailed knowledge of the Bible for someone without digital technology. He's crossing to, you know, uh, to verses in Job or deep in Proverbs. Um, yeah, so yeah, anything to do with like uh, forsaking sin or forgiveness or turning away. Um, so really noticed that and appreciated that. And, and I think, yeah, the Puritans, maybe it's him, but maybe the Puritans generally, they, they model that really well, mm. a real Bible enthusiasm. And then just came across a few quotes that struck me. So I thought, you know, we love sharing quotes and on uh, homegrown faith. So mm. uh, here's, here's a couple that I've enjoyed from Thomas Manton talking about um, the, this, this, this little clump is about sin and judgment. So a bit dark, but um, powerful. Uh, so uh, here's one quote. He says, well, this is the connection. He that abused God's mercy as creator offends him as a lawgiver and is justly punished by him as a judge. I love that quote because it brings together creation, lawgiving, judge. Um, yeah, get to the seriousness of sin. I'll just jump straight to another quote. Loving this one. Um, he's talking about sin being a, something recorded, a record of sin. God keeps, there is a record of sin kept. Um, he says, thus is sin represented as a thing that is upon record and cannot be forgotten. Many times we lose the memory of what we have done in childhood and infancy, but all is upon record and your iniquities will one day find you out, though you have forgotten and think never to hear of them more. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new thought for me. Yes. Yeah. Sins are yeah. Me also. Uh, on the record. Um, and, then, um, uh, he, and then he talks about death. Uh, he says, death is but the summons to come to an account with God. Uh, and then he says, all other debts cease at death. When a man dieth, we say his debts are paid. But here, execution begins. Then the Lord takes the sinner by the throat and drags him to everlasting punishment and doth in effect say, pay me what thou owest. Death is God's arrest. And I, <laughs> that was heavy. Um, especially, Joe, after listening to this um, evaporated podcast, a lot of the guys there, um, they disappear because they're trying to escape debt. Um, it's and, and some of them are faced with the choice of death or repayment or escape. And, um, but uh, yeah, then when it comes to God's justice, um, death is not an escape from the debt we owe to God. It is, it is meeting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, meeting our God. It is God's arrest. Mm. So mm. Uh, I was struck by, you know, the seriousness of sin and what we owe to God and the need for mm. forgiveness. Um mm. Mm. By this writing from Thomas Manton, and, and and I'm glad I went back for a second read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you were reading them, my first thought was like fear, and my next thought was I, you know, I need to repent, of course. And then my third thought was I'm so thankful for Jesus because oh, I'm yes. I'm, I'm just so desperate for salvation. I'm oh, sad yeah. it was my third rather than my first, but gosh, yes. Uh, no, I got, yeah, so much I'd, more good stuff. I've got mm -hmm. yeah, highlight. Highlighted lots of good quotes as well about um, mm. Jesus, um, yeah, turning up to pay the debt and pay what we owe us, mm. and, and in different mm. ways. So, how wonderful! Yeah, Thomas Manton, great stuff on forgiveness there in his um, first volume. Um, and he was writing in the 1700s, is that right, or the 1600s? In the 1600s, yes, 1600s. he lived from 1620 to 1677. And, okay. Um, 
in, yeah, with in the all of UK. with England, yes. Mm. Um, Charles II spent some time in jail. Um, wow. Yeah, interesting guy. So not that I know too much about him, but um, yeah, it's been fruitful reading. Yes, I was about to say that. Oh. <laughs> well, we are out of time, but I got this email, Richard, mm-hmm. from um, a woman who is a mother of small children, and she said this. She said, um, this is why I find your podcast helpful. And here's the quote. I'm too tired to do anything on Facebook but scroll, is what I'm thinking in the middle of the night when I'm feeding. Now I'll press play on this episode. Ah, the Bible's good, isn't it? Uh, I'll open the Bible app. Oh, well, that wasn't so hard after all. Um, And as I read that stream of consciousness in an email, I just felt so thankful. So thank you to Lauren for her encouragement. Thank you, Lauren and Canberra. Um, I just think that that's exactly what we're doing this for, isn't it? Um, Mm -hmm. We're just wanting people to think, oh, I can read my Bible. I'm going to do that. And so if you haven't read your Bible today, grab it out. It's so good, so rich, and it's about our God and Savior. So good, good time spent. Fantastic. Well, great yeah. to be chatting about podcasts, Sydney Symphony yes. Orchestra, Exodus 14, and the Puritan Thomas Manton on forgiveness. Um, yes. Joe, we're having a little break, I believe, over yes. the winter school holidays. Yes. Two weeks of holidays, and then we'll be back in late July. Yeah. Well, look forward to chatting with you then. But for now, yeah, goodbye. Sounds good. See you, mate. Bye. Bye.